This is Surviving on Wine and Cuss Words. Before we start, I want to say a trigger warning for discussion of childhood sexual assault, sexual violence, um, abuse, and emotional abuse. All right. Okay. Let's get started. Welcome so, back to... Our second episode. Surviving on Wine and Cuss Words. Second episode. Yeah. Thank you for coming back for um, one more time. So we're actually drinking wine this time. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like a good episode to, to crack open some wine. It does. Um, I'm Char... <laughs> I'm Emily. <laughs> mm. That's a big mistake yeah. right there. I'm Emily. This is Charlotte. That's this is Surviving right. on Wine and Cuss Words. That's right. Um, Tonight we are going to need some wine and probably some cuss words. Mom, uh, before we get started, why don't you tell me just like one good thing that happened this week? Mm. Like thinking about this last week, we posted our last video last week. Mm -hmm. I love the responses, love the comments. It's really fun. It made me support. super excited to start this next episode. I mean, the fact that people are watching and relating to it already with just the few little subscribers that we have. Yeah. It's going to be really good to get this out. Yeah. I think... Um, I think it's doing a good thing. Okay. One good thing that happened? Yeah, this week. One good thing that happened. Um, we went to dinner. I had a good time at dinner. What'd you have for dinner? I can't remember. Okay, well, was it good? What did I have? Oh, I had the smoked turkey croissant with oh. the fries. Remember? Oh, we, we went, went out for dinner. dinner. Yeah, okay. I've been out to dinner since then. I have not because I've been working since then. And tonight is a podcast recording night after I've worked a full 12 hour shift. So we're yes. going to see how that goes too. This may be something yes, we have to do. This is not an early days. morning podcast. Okay. No. We, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's wine. There's no coffee today. Um, this week, let's see. I worked my three shifts this week mm -hmm. and I went for an eight mile walk today. <laughs> nice. So I miss my long walk. It took me like three hours, but That's I had great. a great time. I walked the dog and Saw the trees and the leaves. You know, it's that time of year. Nice. I, I love it. Yeah. I wish I could have been there. I had to work, but maybe next time I'll get to go. Absolutely. So can you talk about what our topic is today? And kind of, I know you mentioned it before. Mm hmm Well, going back a little bit, I figured we plopped all the listeners in episode one right smack dab in the middle of the story so i thought that it would be helpful to kind of go back to the beginning to see how we wound up where we did um and put a little context and and feeling and emotion behind where we get when we actually get to, to start telling the details of the story. Yeah. So. So I guess to kind of just put some context into what I experienced, what mom experienced, kind of leading up to the moment we described in the last episode 
which was this moment where I finally get to the point of telling my mom about the abuse. Um, so I guess, um, do you want to start and just kind of talk about the introduction, maybe how you met my dad and move forward from there? Um, I will start by saying you have to keep in mind he was a master manipulator. And there are going to be a lot of things that are said or heard that you might say, how in the world? You know, it. you'll understand it. When this whole thing is out on the table, you'll understand it. But I was a single mom, 100% single mom, no father in the picture. And that's all I'll say about that. Um, I had been working, had you, stayed with your nanny and granddaddy for a little while to save some money so I could buy us a house. Mm -hmm. So I bought us a house and moved into that house in April. Let's see, you were born in 98, so that would have been 1999. And at that time very excited to have this new place all of my own and it's just me how old are you at this time 99 i guess 27 okay 27 and you know i've not had a, a string of very successful relationships anyway okay so we're at this point where you know i'm i don't feel great about myself there's probably a whole bunch of uh, postpartum in there you know, things that, that I just didn't deal with at the time. But I was very happy that you and I were starting our lives in this new place. Mm-hmm. But I was lonely. So back then, there wasn't Tinder. No it. Tinder back then. Back huh? then, it was a phone dating line. Like calling on the like phone? you call oh on the phone. You have your little passcode. You leave a generic message. It's kind of like the voice of dating apps. Because you can't see them at all. You leave your message about kind of describing yourself and what you're looking for. And you can listen to 10 messages for free. But then you had to pay to listen to unlimited messages. Okay. And when you get the message, it included the PIN number for that other person. So the PIN number... Basically, what it boiled down to is if you liked what someone said, you could leave a message for them. They'd hear that message. They'd leave you a message back. Okay. Okay. So we did that for a little while, and um, I'd say probably a month before there were any messages left saying, well, let's talk. Okay. And I do want to clarify, because I'm not sure that we mentioned in the last episode, but he's not my biological father. That's why I'm already in the picture doing that. Yeah. I was going to get into that part because... So I am am around in this picture. Yes. You're about six months old. um, But you're dating this guy. At this time. Right. Y'all finally get the call. You finally decide to talk to each other. Yes. He said what's your number we finally talked to each other and this is the summer and um we talked a lot we talked a lot and uh, finally invited him over there was no stay in the night there was no you know weird stuff 
sexy time, laundry time, whatever you want to refer to it as. Okay. Because, and you remember this, you would know this, because he always complained that you didn't have a routine. You didn't go to bed. Mm -hmm. It was just me and you. You know, when I fell asleep, you fell asleep with me, and we fell asleep on the couch, and that's the way it was, so there was no alone time. So uh, we just talked on the phone, came and visited, dinners, things like that. But your first birthday. Now, this is the only father figure you ever knew. He's the only man that was ever right. in my life when you were born. Um, your first birthday, we flew to Canada to visit with Nanny and Granddaddy. And when we were in Canada, I got a phone call. It was a message from him asking where I kept the lawnmower. I you know, called back and told him where it was and asked why. And he said, well, I'm going to mow your yard while you're gone. Now, let me put this into perspective. That's a huge deal for me. Single mom, full time. You're six months, nine months old. Yeah. You know, I'm rolling through mowing the lawn with you in one of the little snuggies on my front, wrapped like a backwards backpack mowing the lawn with one hand because you can't leave an infant in the house and it right. was just me and you so to hear he's gonna mow my lawn that was a huge deal mm-hmm. uh even nanny said something in canada well that's awful nice yeah so when i came back from the trip uh he started spending a lot of my, a lot of more time over there and um Still a lot of talking. I mean, he was in the military. He was in the Marines. He got out of the Marines, and he joined the uh, Army Reserves. How bad a guy can this be? Right. Right? How bad a guy can this be? And, of course, he comes with stories and baggage of this terrible ex-wife who ripped his child out from him and didn't let him see her for no reason at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Do-do-do. That's probably a red flag. Yeah. However, so let's go I was with, well, insecure. What are those red flags? I was very insecure, you know, down on myself, lonely. He said everything right. Mm-hmm. And and I was in that phase where I was going to believe everything. Right. So around the first of the year, I guess, um, we moved in together. He moved into the house. And so we were living in sin and wound up <laughs> getting pregnant with Alex. Okay. So yeah. here's where the adoption part comes in or yeah. the non-adoption part. I don't know how it even came up, but it was around Christmas time. And we were talking about Alex's name because he was due in January. Yeah. What, what was going to be his name? And... He said, uh, you know, Alexander, Jason, whatever. That was mm-hmm. going to be, you know, we had decided on the first two, and and he wanted him to have his last name. And I said, well, he's going to have my last name, just like Emily has my last name, and it's up to you whether that's the same as yours or not. Right. You know, I, I, I'm... I'm wanting to move on I'm wanting this to be a family and so I think it was December 24th maybe we were on the way to nanny and granddaddy's and he said well if we're gonna get married we might as well go do it before the end of the year and 
I was so excited at that proposal. So no Three days later, we went to the courthouse. We got married so that Alex could have his last name. Because that was something I was not going to fold on. Right. My kids were going to have my last name. And back then, I mean, for me anyway, it was a big deal. No proposal, no Mm -hmm. wedding. We might as well just do it before the end of the year if we're going to do it. Okay. So So I'm seeing another red flag. Yeah, yeah. Oh, obviously. But still, alone, all the right things. Mm-hmm. All the right things. Mm-hmm. So um, we had talked about, is he going to adopt you? How are we going to handle this? Because, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you called him dad. That mm-hmm. That's it. He's the only guy you ever knew. Right. Dad, this is dad. This is him. And he wanted to adopt you, but we were broke, and it cost a lot of money. So the option we had was to file a form with the state to say, because I didn't list anyone on the birth certificate but me. Right. So he filed a form, signed an affidavit. I am Emily's father. That's as simple as it was. I accept paternity and I am Emily's father. So then there we go. He's on the birth certificate and it's one big happy family. Right. Except it wasn't. It was headed to a bad place. He had, you know, he had very weird ways of thinking and almost like a cult leader, you know, just wanting this group of people and, and this open relationship, which I'm telling you, when, when you're in the position that I was in, mm-hmm. um, I was at my top weight ever almost 300 pounds, very insecure, very insecure, very unhealthy, actually. And he said all the right things. And when he didn't say all the right things, I said, ah, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. I've got a husband. I've got a husband. And he reminded me of that. There's nobody else that's going to want me. So we... And he said that to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he had people on the side... It was not unknown, you know. He would mess around with people on the side. He encouraged me to mess around with people on the side. It was like, I, you know, I've got this, as long as we come home to each other, that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Whatever right. you want, whatever you want. I never could. I never could find it in me to do it. Right. You know, he, he was just very adamant. Go find somebody. Go find somebody. And I just couldn't find it in me to do it. I had you two to take care of, and that's where we were. But one day at work, I got transferred to a new branch, a cool branch. I worked at a bank, um, and my mom, Nanny, helped me to buy two new pair of pants because I had outgrown everything. Yeah. And this day at work, I got up from my desk to go back to the back to use the bathroom or something. And when I stood up, the calves of the pants were tight and they didn't fall to the floor. That's that's um, important because at that moment, I knew since she bought me these new pants... I had already started gaining weight again. Mm-hmm. So that day, I made the decision, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to eat less. I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to get healthy. And that began the 
true downfall because when I did that, every little bit that I took for the first few years, every little bit Mm -hmm. that I accepted as normal or okay, um, no longer was because I didn't realize for those first few years, my voice was his voice. It was Mm -hmm. what he said. And that's, that's what I lived with. And when I started to lose weight, started to get healthy, started to feel better about myself, I got a voice and he didn't like it. Right. He really didn't like it at all. I also got flirted with by people. I got flirted with by people and he didn't like that, which is very, I, I, I mean, you you were pushing me out the door two right. years ago. Yeah. And once you start taking care of yourself. And once I start yourself. taking care of myself and, and it's not just me chasing after somebody, it's somebody who's talking to me, people flirting. He didn't like that at all. So, you know, I wasn't in the mindset to go find extracurricular activities anyway. Right. But I did want to continue to get better. I wanted to continue to get better. And we just took this split that that started it all. Mm-hmm. Um, the fighting and anytime I had a difference of opinion, it wasn't just a fight. It was... So you're seeing he more of these red flags. Oh, and yeah. you get to a point where you're like, I'm getting healthy. And mm-hmm. that involves getting rid of somebody who's, you know, not very healthy for me. Well, it didn't in the beginning. In right. The, it but just as involved you me continued, finding my voice. Right. As you continued yeah. on your kind of healing journey, Absolutely. your fitness journey, and then you... I said... I Start looking in the mirror mm-hmm. that I'm worth... I've been really, really emotionally abused. Um, Other aspects that I just, I won't go into here now, but, you know, things that are not normal. Yeah. And when I started with my own mindset, my own voice, my own opinions, it really became obvious this was not a good situation for me. So we tried therapy. You know, it didn't work. I said, I, I, I want a divorce. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. Um, you can stay in the house. You don't even have to pay for the house. You don't have to pay for the car. All right. you have to pay for is your phone bill and the bill's here. I will go find somewhere else to live for a year while you save some money. And a year later, I'll come back to the house. You know, he didn't like it. He didn't like it. He wanted us to stay together. But I was very adamant about you guys getting the best of both of us. Mm -hmm. Because I was not going to be one of those. One of those that dogged him all the time every time he's not around. No. It's your guys. It's your dad. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk bad about him. We're going to make this the best divorce ever. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that just didn't come through. Um, you know, we, we had a 50-50 cut down the middle, everything. 50-50 time, except for money, because I was still supporting both households. Right. Because um, I'd gotten a better job, which he yeah. hated. Yeah. Hated. Because it happens to be a job I still have. Um that 
there are not very many women. There are mm -hmm. a lot of men, and he hated that. Yeah. So, split up time, divorce time, he kind of just, I don't know, maybe depression. I'm not sure what it was. If he couldn't have me, it, you know, things just, on, on my side, from my point right. of view, because until all this came out, until we started communicating with each other a couple of years ago, I didn't realize how bad he was talking about me on the other side. Right. So and I so thought it's this great situation where 50% of the time you're with me, 50% with him. So and, during yeah. the divorce is kind of where things changed. And that's honestly like where the physical abuse started for me. So the divorce like changed everything because it changed him. It changed the way that he interacted with us because he would pull us to the side, you know, and say things like, your mom's breaking this family apart, you know, and it's literally hard for me not to laugh because yeah. it's so crazy to think about knowing that, you know, you were getting divorced because you deserved something else. But you, know? you at nine and Alex at seven, right? You know that's not easy to understand, right? It's not easy to and understand. And so, anyway, you continue with your story. You go ahead. You guys go through the divorce. You're living at the apartment. He's living at the house that you bought mm -hmm. um, before he was even in the picture. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I bought it before then, but I, well. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about because it blindsides you. Yeah. It, it blindsides you. But yeah. one day, um, I got an anonymous email. And I don't say anonymous because they hid their identity. This person, can't even remember her name, told me who she was. I just didn't know who she was. Mm. Uh, I need you to know this. Uh, it's hearsay, it's so-and-so told so-and-so, but it's worth me telling you just in case it's true. Um, Can you kind of talk about what that email said? It said, she. this was someone's mother. Um, it was at the time, your cousin was living with you. His mm -hmm. niece was living with you guys, and you were 10, 11? I was probably 12 at the time and 12. Alex was probably 9 or 10. Okay. Yeah. And I got this email that said, I have heard from a friend of the cousin that he, dad, has been taking naked pictures of the niece and you. And I, I mean, my world just are you? But then this is still just hearsay. It's like I don't know anything. Yeah, it was it was some sixteen-year-old's friend who told whose this mom. person, who told this person. Who knows if it wasn't just somebody just trying to start some shit? Yeah, and I didn't know for sure. So at this time, we were still in counseling because of the divorce. The divorce. You know, we were still trying to go to counseling. Family counseling family while counseling. you guys were divorced. For to you guys. To minimize the blow. Yeah. For you guys. Because it, it was going to be easier. I wanted you and Alex to get all the help you needed. So when I saw this, like, how can this be true? How can this be true? 
I was still shocked. I was, I didn't know how to confront it, but we had an appointment that day scheduled for the therapist. And I thought to myself, okay, when we all get into therapy, I'm just going to say, I got this email today. What do you have to say? Because Mm -hmm. at that point, the therapist would be required reporter mm-hmm. and he could call the police which all adults all, all adults, adults are required reporters in the state of tennessee so that's a misconception mm-hmm. i mean because that's child pornography is if this is a true story right and so we all meet up at the counselor's office and i throw that bomb out there right to which he doesn't deny it right and you are defending him Right, because that's kind of the point. It's not a big deal. That's where I'm at with my abuse and on my grooming. Like, one thing that is really important to understand is when you have, when you are sexually abused by somebody who's in a position of power, they do groom you. They groom you to accept it and defend it. You trust. I mean, it's not even a matter of fear. It's a matter of teaching you that it's right right you know and that so of course i didn't know any of that yet and and the fact that he didn't deny it sitting in that office i was sick to my stomach Mm. and to have you sit there saying it's not a big deal it's not a big deal he was just trying to teach us a lesson he was just trying to teach us and and that was his excuse so i remember as a little kid I, i guess i was about 12 or 13 he, he let us all have alcohol, and during the night when we had alcohol, took pictures of us. And his excuse as a grown-ass motherfucking adult was he wanted to give you alcohol at, at specific times, specific amounts, so that you would understand what your limits were. And when you got really drunk, he would be able to show you these pictures and show you what he was able to talk you into doing. So yeah, that's basically what he said was that, yeah, basically he showed me the pictures the next morning was like, look at what I was able to do because you were drunk. And I was like, in my head, I was like, you're not I was, you weren't able to do that because I was drunk. You were able to do that because you were my dad. And that's what you said to do. You know, you're right. in charge of me. It had to do with you ch- being an authority figure. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so funny. And sometimes I think about that when I'm drunk. Uh, you oh, know, sometimes God. I just think I'll sit there and drink and I'll be like, well, yeah, it wasn't because I was drunk. It was because you told me to. <laughs> it's just, it's just ridiculous. To hear it now, to say it back. And Isn't it crazy? And as a little kid, you're like, all right, that makes sense. Parenting one-on-one, I don't know. You know, I, I'm like, that, 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 that must be the way it is. Because parents don't. Parents know everything. They're mm-hmm. the smart ones. They're the grown-ups. They're the one. And I was the bad guy. I was the bad guy that day. And, and let me tell you, physically, in the office, I was in the corner where the therapist was mm-hmm. over here he was over there. You were over there. I was trapped. And I felt trapped physically, emotionally, sick to my stomach because the, the three people that were facing me in that corner were trying to convince me this is not a big deal, including the counselor. Sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. So in order, fight or flight, 
in order to find, because everybody was just like, stop, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody, it's over, I've destroyed the pictures. Yeah. And in my fight or flight mode, the only way I felt I was able to even exit the room was to agree, okay, mm-hmm. fine, fine. So we made another appointment to come back, which I never did. The only time I went back to that place, sidebar, is to go tell them that he needed to be, his medical license needed to be revoked because he heard child pornography and no denial of it and didn't call anybody. Mm -hmm. Wanted to defend it. Wanted to not have me call. So yeah, my only visit back to that place was to take that motherfucker down. So anyway, side note, he also fell asleep he during was narcoleptic. <laughs> yeah, he was not narcoleptic. Y'all just said that about him. He never said he was narcoleptic. Oh. He just fell asleep because we I had like four p.m. <laughs> we had like late evening. This was an old white guy he was God. falling asleep. Okay, so I, I got out of the office. You were with me anyway. You weren't happy with me, but you were with me that day anyway. Yeah, because fifty-fifty so, custody. That's right. So the next morning, I did not go to work. I went directly to my attorney and said... From the divorce. Yes. Right. I need a restraining order. I need the sheriff involved. I need him 100% removed from these kids' lives. And she said, why? So I had to sit down and explain everything to her. She drew up the papers. This happened to be on a Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. She drew up the papers where every right of his was gone. Mm. He only got you. It was visitation. Visitation. It there was, was no supervised visitation. Su- supervi- supervised visitation. You got one Wednesday mm-hmm. night every other week to have dinner with supervised. him. Supervised. All of that was supposed to be supervised. All rights taken away. Um, he was going to have to pay me child support because we hadn't even gone down that road because we were 50-50. This huge, you know, in this Friday afternoon, we're typing this up because I know Emily's safe. I know Alex is safe because they are in school. He was supposed to get them that weekend. But I said, you need to have a police. You need to do something. She said, well, she gave me my options for going down Mm. the legal road. And going down the legal road, she said, well, you already told me Emily's telling you it's no big deal. She's not going to say anything bad about him. True. And he's already said he's destroyed the pictures. So it's your word against his right now. Let's just go with this. Let's just take the kids back. He doesn't get them. She printed up the whole paperwork, sent them to his attorney, who told him, and he said, that's bullshit. I'm not doing that. I didn't do anything wrong. And when when, when my attorney talked to his attorney and told her the story, she went to him and said, you need to run and sign this paperwork mm. before they file it. You need to run and agree to this because they are going to destroy you. So Yeah, this is very serious. This, this is very serious. Yeah. So we got, I got you back 100%. Supervised, you know, just a few hours on Saturday, every and, other Saturday and Sunday. And I'm... And it, it was... It was horrible because you hated me. Alex hated me. That was the place of fun. That was the place where dad let us have whatever we want to drink. Yeah, we can that drink was the place where my nine-year-old had a drink of preference. You know, I, I'll, 
have rum and coke. No, rum and diet coke. I can't mm. remember. I can't remember. But my, I was in a tailspin. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of man that we're dealing with. This is the kind of man who sat in that office and said, yeah, I did it, but here's why. Like, a grown-ass motherfucking adult so, is yes, going I, to I let my 9-year-old and my 12-year-old drink, and here is why. Just stop right there. Okay. There is no reason why, unless yeah. you are a, another 12-year-old. Unless you're another 12-year-old you, you, and you're sneaking behind the yeah, bar with a cigarette yeah. butt and a fifth of Jack Daniels. Uh-uh. That's, no, yeah. you're not a 12-year-old. So that went on for a few months. And, and, and I don't have to tell you, but from my point of view, my heart was broken because you guys, I mean, if you didn't cry when you had to, you know, when you had to come back, please, please, please just let us spend the night on the weekend. Everything's fine. Yeah, He's he doing made it. great. It was also in the paperwork that he could no longer drink. Mm, that he wasn't supposed, that he to, wasn't drink supposed to cuss. That, I mean, there was, I mean, I went down to this motherfucker. If he's going to have anything to do with his kids anymore, is going to do it right. Mm-hmm. He crossed a motherfucking line. So, all these things. He's, and obviously, behind the scenes, there's way more happening. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is just setting up to. <laughs> yeah, there's way more that so you didn't even know that I didn't was even happening. Know. And that's okay, because that's kind of why we're telling you this story in the thought process that we're telling you, because you get to hear my version, and then you get to hear Emily's version of what's going on at the time. But at this time, they're begging me. You know, it's been two or three months, three or four months. Well, I'm still not ready to let them go for overnight visits. Yeah, I'm pretty much going to my mom, and I'm like, you know, it's your fault that we had to leave. We could only go you know, Saturday from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., but we could go do this cool thing tonight with our dad if you didn't... If you let him. If, if you didn't you, make if, us if, come home. Because he made it very clear your mom has caused this. Mm-hmm. This is what your mom did. She has taken us Not away Not what you perverted motherfucker did that mm-hmm. made me do that right. and made me be the bad guy. Right. No. So... um you were telling me, you know, he's not drinking anymore. He's not this. He's not that. And I would talk to him and he would tell me the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't drink anymore. And, and, you know, we're trying to do these cool things. And I said, okay, here's what we'll do. You agree to go to a therapist of my choice, a psychiatrist of my choice, not that motherfucker that wasn't going to call anybody. Not that motherfucker that fell asleep. No. In every My <laughs> choice. And you sit with him. For an evaluation, I get the report after he's heard everything that you've done. I get the report and I'll make a final decision. So th- that kind of goes to show, goes to how manipulative uh, your dad was. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've got the letter in the safe in the bedroom that I can't get to because I can't find my key that says, yes, he understands what he did was wrong. And he basically, this long letter to me. A letter from the psychiatrist psychiatrist you're choosing. To me saying, you know, he understands what he did was wrong. Um, I've given him this test and these are the personality traits. and, And in my professional opinion, he is very unlikely to reoffend. Right. All the meanwhile, he's reoffending every... You know, every day. Which I didn't know. Right. Which I didn't know. Right. And, you know, we, I finally agreed and we came up with a 
very, very small, you know, once a month when you went on Saturday, you could stay the night, but you're coming back Sunday at noon. You know, we've Mm -hmm. got homework, we've got school, we've got things we needed to do. And I mean, I hate to say it because I am a softie. I am, I'm a hard ass when I need to be, but you guys started being friendlier to me. You guys started, you know, eventually over the period of a a couple of months, probably six months or so, it got to be a little bit more where they'd go Friday night, Saturday night. But then here's the last red flag I'll talk about tonight. And, and I didn't even realize till this very motherfucking moment that it should have been a red flag. You guys came to me, you and Alex, came mm-hmm. to me with the fact that you two weren't getting along. And you said, all we ever do is fight. I want time away from Alex and I want time away from Emily. And this is our proposal. We go alone mm. on the weekends. Yeah. Alex gets to spend quality time with you Alex while spends I go Friday spend... night. We both spend Saturday night and I spend Sunday night. So that there is alone time with each parent for quality time. Mm-hmm. And, and you so want to believe that that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, um, that is the agreement we were in, I think. At the point that you disclosed, I think the only reason you you weren't in a regular schedule is because you were 16 and, I and you had a car and you could drive. So if you wanted to go over there, I didn't stop you for the most part. Mm-hmm. I didn't say, no, you're supposed to be with me. If you wanted to go, I've got to go pick something up or whatever mm-hmm. the excuse was, I let you go. And that got us to the disclosure. So the manipulation, and we'll get into the trial too. We'll get into Mm -hmm. uh, the court system and the trial, but the amount of manipulation and the masterful manipulation this man used. I would sit in the courtroom and listen to the judge grant him some request Mm. and think to myself he's got everybody fooled they're not going to see through it they're not going to see through it this is not him he is so so manipulative which he did have people fooled that first time around when i was 13 because i didn't disclose when i was when i was 13 the only difference between the reports that came forward when i was 12 13 Versus me telling when I'm 16 is is me agreeing telling. and being okay. You telling and, and not defending him. they pulled me in for a professional forensic interview saying they did when I was 16 years old mm-hmm. at the same Children's Advocacy Center. And they pulled me in and they questioned me about what happened. And I told them everything about the alcohol in the pictures because dad said, All right, they know that. They already know it, so go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah, and I denied everything else, and I said, you know, I played it down so hard because I thought I was so cool for getting to be, you know, a 12, 13-year-old that drank, you know. 
I mean, you all did. I, I remember you telling me something about um, recently, not then, because right. anything that anything that I say about you right now in this podcast is my memory um, from my side. But right. if you told me something, that was after the fact. And I remember you saying something about the night Alex left on his middle school trip to Washington. Yeah. That he wanted, he was preparing. He went and got Molly and drugs and things for you guys to do because y'all were going to be alone. Because we were going to have both Friday and Saturday alone. So, you know, understanding, you'll never understand this mind. You'll never understand his mind. That was part of my therapy. Like, I can't put myself in that position because I am a normal, productive, functioning adult. So I can't fathom how someone would think that's okay. Right. You know, there's just no, there's just no way. But from my point of view, I like totally get it. You were taught. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you were taught. And that was a sad part of, of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a seesaw Mm. because the disclosure is right in the middle where you were down here and we were just rolling along with life. And when you disclosed, you started your healing and we had to learn what was going to happen next and how we had to learn what happened so we could help you. But on that same token, I remember Rebecca, uh, our counselor at the time, took me to the side and said, it's going to be hard because she's in a good place. And I say good place because she's in a place of normalcy uh, right now. What we have to do and what our goal for her is, is we have to teach her why everything that's happened to her over the last seven years was wrong. Mm -hmm. Because what he's been teaching her is it's right it's okay. It's natural. It's normal. Right. I mean, he's just, just I, cultish to the nth degree. You know, like, do you remember when he said, "I'm going to homeschool them"? When yeah. we were still married, I remember. And he said, that "I'm going to homeschool them." I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to homeschool them. Why? What did he say? So what did he do? He quit his job, but he didn't. And I worked, us. and I worked two jobs while he just thought about homeschooling you. That ever happened? It never happened. Yeah, he never actually. I fucking delivered pizza to a murderer while he was at home during the day because he wanted to homeschool you guys. And it it's just this story is so it, and we will. I apologize, but there are gonna be times where we don't know what the other one just said. We weren't yeah. aware of what the other one just said. So there's gonna be some realizations in this podcast. Yeah. There's gonna be some times where we free free flow our thoughts where all of a sudden we're here in the trial or or in the courtroom and then all of a sudden we're back to when she's seven you know because one of the hardest heaviest charges they carried was uh because there was a gun involved i mean so so you just can't imagine you just can't imagine and again, this, this podcast, this series, this thing that we are doing is to put it out there, not only for us, but for other people who, yeah, 
who might be experiencing this and might look around and say, I think this is not right. Right. Like, Um, you know, and even if people are against you, you, you just, you you keep on it. Okay. They're going to You have a weird feeling for a reason. You don't get an email about something crazy happening with your kids for no reason. Right. And and you know, last episode we talked about cutting people out of our lives. You thought it was hard because you had already lost your dad and and you were scared to lose anybody else. And I was just like, right. Motherfucker snip. And you know why? I think it's so telling. I, anytime I heard someone say, you know, I had a weird feeling, but I could just never imagine it when when we were divorced and I wasn't there, so I didn't get these weird feelings because I didn't see them together mm-hmm. and I didn't get I didn't get the privilege of what our mutual friends got. Anytime I heard somebody say, No, well it could have been, but I I kinda had a feeling like they were trying to buddy up with me in my camp after this was over with, they were gone. They right. were gone. I have I have cut family members. Yeah. I have cut anybody, anybody who had the opportunity to say to me, you know, something weird's going on because it took a stranger hearing third party from a teenager and believing that teenager to reach out to me to make this ball start rolling. All the people that knew and all the people that felt weird and didn't say a goddamn word to me. You know, because there were other adults that would come into the house and see me as a 13-year-old drinking. Drinking. Smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Drugs. All of it. Drinking. Smoking. Drugs. They're gone. They're out. Yeah. But I tell you what, one of them, one of them the other day liked a video on my TikTok. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't think I don't watch that shit. Yeah. Don't think I don't watch that shit because I watch for these people. Right. I watch. There were people for these around, people. and we'll kind of get into that. He did kind of have a, a, a cult or a religious organization that we will definitely get into. Um, and when we come back with the next episode, we're kind of going to talk about all that happened, but from my perspective. And it's probably not going to be all that happened because we probably can't squeeze that no. into one episode. But right. we're going to start right. talking about Emily's perspective. We just felt you needed um, the some context, the, the context, the perspective of the non-offending parent, because that's what I am, the non-offending parent, and, and what I was privy to and what I wasn't privy to. Uh, just to get you set up. It's not for the always next a clear time. picture. It's not always easy. We don't um, always see the red flags. Yeah. Right now, figuring out the red flag yeah. that y'all wanted to spend time there separately. In hindsight. All yeah. I thought was, I'm going to get to spend quality time with my children. Right. But, thank you for joining us again. Yeah, uh, We did survive so this one. We did survive this one on I'm, a little bit of wine. I'm out of wine. And a few cuss words. We got to get you some more wine. Yes. But we will be back. We will return. And we hope that you stick it out for the story because I promise you this is, it's got a great ending. Yeah. It's got a great ending. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye.